Welcome to the Female VC Lab Podcast. I have Kristen here. Kristen, in one line, give me your name, your title, and the name of your fund. Kristen Gunther, partner at Revolution Growth. Wonderful. So what inspired you to become venture capitalist or investor? Yeah, I started my career out of college working in investment banking. This was a traditional route. Did that for a couple of years, did a couple of years of equity research. And then when the financial crisis hit, felt like a good time to go to business school. And while I was there, reflected on my career to that point and realized that I actually did work, enjoy working on transactions with companies when I was doing banking. I really wanted to work with companies sort of cradle to grave and be a part of the full kind of life cycle from investing to exit. And so I knew coming out of business school, I wanted to do private equity. I joined a firm in DC called Perseus. I was there for five years. I loved it. And when the opportunity presented itself to join Revolution, I was super excited because the companies that we invest in here are growing super fast, using really exciting technologies. And so when that opportunity presented itself about eight years ago, I jumped on it and was really excited. That's wonderful. So you touched a little bit about your company, your fund, and, and what your thesis is. What is your thesis and the motivation behind your thesis? Clearly, you do growth stage, but what kind of companies do you look at and what motivated that? Yeah, so Revolution, as some people know, really evolved over time. It started as a family office, really, for oh, Steve okay. Case, who's the founder of AOL, and over yeah. the last you know, decade or so has evolved into a family of institutional funds. So we have we have seed, venture, and growth stage funds here at Revolution. I work exclusively on the growth fund. One sort of common kind of theme in DNA I think we all share is a desire to support and invest in companies that are founded in parts of the country that are often overlooked by venture capitalists. And so I say that is one commonality. We also, I think all of the funds are relatively sector agnostic. At the growth stage, we really will look at any company that's using technology, I'd say outside of biotech, but anything else is fair game from a sector standpoint. We really make sure that we're coming in at the growth stage, you know, where a lot of the venture risk is actually taken out of the business. So there's real product market fit. There's a team in place. New economics look good. And the company really just needs capital to throw gas on the fire. We like that growth stage because we feel like if you get the underwriting right, which is a big if, but if you do, you should have real asymmetric kind of risk and returns. And one thing I think that's a little bit different about us, just from a thesis standpoint, is being based in Washington, D.C., which is relatively rare. We actually, we lean into that and we have a couple of lobbyists that work with our team and our companies. Yeah. And so I'd say like, it's part of, you know, the value that we add post-investment in terms of helping those companies navigate regulatory issues, as well as kind of the funnel that we look at new deals through and like really understanding which companies have regulatory tailwinds or areas where changes in policy might really create opportunity for certain sectors or specific companies. And so that's something that's a little bit different about us. One of our most recent investments is a company, Carbon Robotics, which is an ag tech business and had some real tailwinds related to the farm bill and precision agriculture as well as some of the the climate funding out of the IRA. So yeah, a little bit different over here. No, that's great. DC does have an emergent. They have some kind of established VCs there, but they also have emergent, a lot of emergent VCs in that area, which is great, right? More and more people coming into these other, like you said, not just Silicon Valley, other ecosystems, which is important, right? What are you currently learning or listening to or reading these days? Sure. Yeah. I do a lot of reading because the fun fact about me is I haven't watched TV in 10 years. So I read a lot. Yeah. I'd say it's mostly fiction, but in terms of what I'm learning about, as I mentioned, we invest across sectors, but given our policy lens, I'm spending a lot of time understanding the various technologies that are helping to address climate change and trying to understand really... 
Yeah. Number one, which are the investable business models that are appropriate for the risk return at the growth stage? And where is the, the IRA and the policy change in this area most likely to drive kind of nonlinear growth? And what I'm finding, at least so far, is that there's a lot of companies and kind of incredible technology out there, but very few areas where sort of traditional venture capital makes sense, let alone kind of growth stage venture. The companies that are pure software, things like carbon accounting, for example, are super interesting. But the market, yeah, but the market dynamics have made those really hard. Those are, that's very saturated. That market is absolutely very Very, crowded. Very yeah, saturated, like, very crowded. The, very. the software for all the carbon reduction, carbon and tracking. Look, there are some companies that are, I think, pulling away from the pack. And it's, again, business model-wise, if it's like heavy software, it is the right type of model for absolutely for what we do. But the I'd say the market dynamics in that. It's very crowded. It's the crowded space. I've seen a lot of ones like that using various types of tech. (laughs) Exactly. I'm hopeful we'll find something. I'm actually working with another investor from another fund on a project where we're speaking to chief climate officers and chief resilience officers at cities around the country and trying to understand their challenges and the tools that have been helpful to them or that they wish existed to inform some of our thinking. So that has been really useful as part of this sort of learning as well. So I'm hopeful we'll find something. It's like finding a needle in a haystack, but I think it's worth it. I think that's the right approach, right? Talk to the folks that are having the main pain, super pain. And then also, is there a time? We talk about all these different timings. I'm in California, so we have different timings for different things, Mm -hmm. right? Depending on who you're talking to, how urgent, what is the urgency Right. If you think you're going to wait until later, the last minute, which sometimes this happens in government mm-hmm. and then deadlines are upon you. Then, Like, how do you think all this is going to get done? <laughs> exactly. Right. So there's that, too. Right. Sometimes there's less urgency and, and there should be more urgency because if we're going to make the changes, it, it, we need to start looking at it now ish or later ish. And then that can inform the path from any of the investment sides, even early stage. All right. So here's our bonus question. In two years, how do you see venture capital having changed or evolved or investing? I think it'll be different in two years from where it is right now. I mean, we hear about a lot of the companies that that raised during COVID and during some of the peak times, and a lot of them are, you know, failing to meet some of those expectations or get to profitability in time. And there's a real kind of falling out there and a lot of them have tough outcomes. And so I think we've been seeing that for a little bit. We'll continue to see that. But I think as it relates to, you know, the fund side, I think it'll take a little bit more time to play out, but I think we'll see the same thing happen with funds where a lot of those yeah, funds that invested that. in those companies or funds that, you know, were solo GPs who had never raised a fund before and were able to raise because of that period of time. I think a lot of those types of funds will struggle to raise a second fund. And I think we'll see some consolidation and some, the number of funds I think will shrink. But I think the positive outcome of that will be, you know, that the company, the funds that kind of stick around will have the strong survive. (laughs) Good returns. Yeah, I think 2024 will be, you know, a great vintage. And I think, you know, in two years, we'll go back to a place where venture is really about speeding up and scaling great ideas that, that make great business sense. Yeah, I think we're already starting to see. I've seen a few, a, bit, a large one, like a very, we've seen large and now I've seen like a few or smaller ones. So how do you make that balance? Because in the end, it's about returning the money. All right. So how do people contact you? Yeah, I'd say my email inbox is, is an abyss. I think <laughs> LinkedIn is probably the best. If you can find me on LinkedIn and put it, put in a note and that, you know, refers to this podcast, I think that would be great. 
Awesome. Thank you so very much, Kristen Gunther from Revolution Growth, for being my guest on the Female VC Lab podcast.